You're listening to the podcast version of Spark TV, a monthly drop of interviews where we have a wine with the world's most inspirational female founders. I'm your host, Danielle Lewis, the CEO and co-founder of Scrunch, a global influencer marketing community, as well as the founder of Spark Founders Program, a global membership for female founders who are ready to grow their business. Our vision for Spark TV is to share founder stories so you might garner inspiration and pick up strategies to shortcut your own success. Before we start, I do have a special request. Press pause and go and get yourself a glass of vino. We've both got one and we want to share it with you. Got it? Amazing. Remember, you can also watch these episodes on our YouTube channel, Spark Founders Program, or you can follow our Instagram account at Spark Founders Program for daily business tips. Now sit back, enjoy the vino, and let's bring a little spark to your business. Amazing. Suji, thank you so much for being here on Spark TV. It is an honor to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to sit down and have a chat. Awesome. And, you know, the place we like to start on Spark TV is just by sharing your backstory. So when I found out about you, I did a little bit of research on The Good Studio and the brands that you bring to life are absolutely incredible. So I can only imagine that you have had a wealth of experience leading up to this point. So I'd love you to tell everyone what The Good Studio is, uh, but also how you got here. Was there a career beforehand? Were there other businesses? Like what does that process look like? Oh, how long have you got? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sit I'll, back, crack a bottle of wine. Oh, well, you can't, but you I've know. got a water. I've got a water. <laughs> I probably will need to re-top up at some point. Uh, <laughs> so let's start at the beginning. What is the good studio? What do we do, et cetera? The good studio, yep. we are based in Calandra on the Sunshine Coast. Uh, geographics do come into it. So essentially we are a brand and digital studio and our real specialties are helping establish businesses who have been around for a while but they sort of feel like they've diluted or lost what that is that like the real point of difference out in the market. That mm. could also be in the market, but also with their employees. So we help reposition them through brand strategy and say, hey, here's the things that make you really amazing for who you are, but also differentiate you amongst your competitors. Um, so that's the strategy. And then we get to have all sorts of fun um, turning that strategy into creative. So we handle copy and messaging, uh, brand identity design and websites. And our whole value proposition or what we really believe in is that being boring is bad for business. So I agree. I love it. <laughs> we don't want to just, we find what makes someone different, but then we have fun with it. And so it's like really playful words and lines, design. We want people to feel something when they see the brand. So thank you for saying that, um, you know, you, you can feel something with the work. That's our goal um, with the brands that we create. And how I got here. So I'm the brand strategist. I have a business partner, Joel. He's the creative director. And we embarked on a business together about two years ago as the Good Studio. So it exists, the Good Studio existed as Joel's sort of a solopreneur style business. And we, mm-hmm. we really saw that, wait, hey, we can put two heads together, you know, be bigger and better than what we're able to do individually. Awesome. And there's a gap in the market on the Sunshine Coast. No one's owning that brand space just yet. So we're like, let's, let's try and build that, which is really exciting. Uh, and so that's how we met and how we started working together. We worked in a co-working space and we sort of had like a couple of years to suss out whether we liked each other's working <laughs> styles and skills, awesome. which was pretty cool um, to cross paths in that work, that co-working space. And before I really became a brand, only brand strategy, so I, I let go of design. So before that I was a 
art director, creative director. Um, and I just, I've always kind of dabbled with words. I feel like design is a representation of words. Mm. And when we joined together, I was like, I, I'm going to let that part go. And I'm just going to focus on the strategy and the words. Um, and, you know, when I was a creative, I feel like I'm kind of going this backwards tangent. That's all <laughs> so right. I like I'm it. I like it. Perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, there was a career in, in art direction and creative direction. Uh, I worked in Brisbane for a really long time in agencies. And that was amazing because it was like thrown into the deep end as yes. a junior designer, came out the end of it, understanding strategy, brand, marketing, really fast paced. Um, and that I think was so formative to understand mm-hmm. how brands really work. But of course, being a business owner, it's a totally different ball game again. <laughs> oh my God, totally. I love it. So, and then I, so I assume, because now I'm backtracking, you obviously did studied design or something to get into yeah. that space initially. Yep. So funnily enough, I've always bounced between um, business and design. So I kind of started in the business world at university in Brisbane, was like, I'm doing business. And I was like, this is so boring. This is, I yeah. can't do this. <laughs> it's do- not quite the same is it studying business and running your own business it's very different report writing all of that Mm -hmm. sort of stuff I was like this is not me let's go and do graphic design did that Mm -hmm. for a while but then I got into graphic design and I was like oh okay I sort of want to have a little bit more input Mm. and then so graduated as a designer I graduated in the GFC um, wow! Really, yep. is that familiar to you as well? Yeah. Like, um, yeah. <laughs> Just navigating all of the the fabulous market changes we go through as business owners. It kind of makes me feel low. I don't know if you feel the same way that like we got through that, seen how the world comes out the other side, it will be okay. Oh, a thousand percent. I kind of like. I feel like it's like, well, what's next? Like there will be something. There's always some kind of challenge, like market change, like industry upset. There's always something. I think as business owners, your ability to be resilient and, you know, problem solve is kind of the the magic that keeps you going. Yeah, definitely. And not to be too over leveraged. Like we've been really mindful. I'm going in huge tangents here, but yeah, be really mindful of not being too over leverage so that if when things do happen, you've got a bit of safety. You're not, yeah, it's all, I'm not a super, super risk high, you know, high risk person. It's a bit of risk, but not like fully Totally. Out well, and look, I mean, you know, a lot of people really came unstuck when the pandemic happened. And I know we were talking GFC, but even just more recently pandemic, like it really, really rocked a lot of businesses. Not all businesses survived. So I feel like being risk averse might not be a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. Just being, you know, since have a few contingency plans, that's yeah, yeah, how I like to do it. So yeah, graduated in the GFC as a designer. And then sort of a couple of things are happening. I've always thought about this. It was like, oh, I want more input. But also there's not a lot of jobs. So I'm just going to take a design job Mm. in an agency. And it was lucky that it was a a fantastic job. That same time I decided to do something crazy and study, finish off that marketing degree. So there's just been this constant overlap of creativity and and marketing and brand. Um, And, you know, in hindsight, after all the long hours, it has really helped me get to where I am today. That's so good. And I mean, that's, that's how it is though, right? Like it is often those hard yards in the early days and, you know, trying and experimenting till you kind of finally land on what the magic thing is for you. Yeah. And it can definitely feel like at the time, like, what the hell am I doing? I'm taking (laughs) like a step left, five steps, right, like forwards, Mm. backwards. But yeah, that's true. Once you have a few years under your belt, you can reflect back and be like, oh, that's why I did those things. 
Yeah, no, I love that so much. So I've got so many questions for you, but I thought I would start with, so thinking about the Good Studio and what you guys are great at. Um, so thinking about that brand strategy, I love what you said that, you know, you've really helped these brands who have existed in market for a, a little while, kind of find their spark or find their magic again and what's unique to them. Is there, uh, I mean, obviously you guys offer that as a service, but if brands are listening in or businesses are listening in and they're feeling a little bit um, underwhelmed with themselves. Is there anything that you would suggest that a business does or reflect on to kind of, you know, reignite that magic inside their brand? Yeah, definitely. I think the first thing to do is step away from the day-to-day. So take yourself Mm -hmm. out of the office, out of your usual workspace and just turn off your emails, clear your agenda, be like, I don't, I don't have to solve anything today, but just acknowledge Mm -hmm. that time to recalibrate a little bit, look back a bit, and then also get back to that why as well. And sort of just sit down and say, like, ask that question, like, why, if you're a founder, why am I doing Mm. this? And start journaling. Or if you're, I'm a bit of a talker, so I like to talk things through, but I know other people like writing can really help. Mm. Um, I think our first port of call is often to go to like what we do and like Mm. the services and the clients, et cetera. But I think you need to dig deeper if you're really looking for that differentiation. It's like, well, how do you do that that's different? Like what do you really enjoy about those, like the way that you provide your service? What do you think clients get out of it? Start kind of attacking, I guess, looking at the question a little bit differently from those initial surface level questions, like what do we do? Who do we do it for? There's there's always a little bit more there. And I think a big one, um, and Joel, my business partner, is, is really big on this. He believes that everyone starts a, a business for a good reason. And sometimes we just lose sight of that. Um, so it's, you know, just going back and it's those introspective questions and, and trying to connect then, okay, well, my personal why, but also what does the day-to-day look like? How can I connect those two together? I love that so much because, and I love what you said about, you know, we forget why we started. You know, it's so easy to get overwhelmed with like the day-to-day grind of all of the things on your to-do list and kind of forget, you know, what lit us up in the beginning. Exactly. And like also look, talking about like, well, what type of life do I want to live? Is it yes. Monday to Friday, <laughs> nine to five, or is it something else? And why do we have to put in these traditional like hours or frameworks, et cetera, mm-hmm. if that's not the life that we want to live? Yeah, that is so cool. It's, you know, I don't think often enough as business owners, we kind of get permission to stop and reflect. And, you know, it's funny. I, um, oh my God, it's funny. I was recording a reel today as you do <laughs> <laughs> trying to get on the bandwagon. So hard. <laughs> oh my God. So, <laughs> but it was funny because the little tip I was giving is that you don't always have to do what everyone else tells you. And as I was kind of reflecting on that myself and my journey, I was like, yeah, I feel like I thought that there was a way to do business, you know, Mm -hmm. and you kind of looked around and, you know, had to follow a formula that everyone else was following. And it's only been later in my business life that I've kind of gone, hang on a second, if I have to show up to this thing like 24 hours a day, seven days a week, damn it, I want it to be something I love. Exactly. And it's like, well, even the old pros and cons list, it's like, what are the things that I love? What are the things that I don't like? And why am I doing these if I am my own boss? Like, do they have to really question, do I have to be getting back to emails in a certain time frame? Do I even have to be on emails five days a week? (laughs) 
Yeah. Oh my God. That would be a game changer. I hate my emails right now. Oh, it's so <laughs> stressful. It's so funny. It is though. No, it's so awesome because, you know, I, I think, you know, you're, you're spot on. Like we really need to do stop and reflect and, and think about that magic because I think then there is a flow on effect to our messaging, like how we show up on social media, how we reply to emails, how we do proposals. Like if we're forgetting about that business brand magic and why we were in it in the first place, you know, I think that our ability to connect with an end customer starts to decline as well. Definitely. And I think when you're really clear on your values or like priorities or what you enjoy and what you don't, then you have this different way of approaching business. Like you have a different way of approaching your emails. Like you might be more casual, more straight to the point, cut out all of the fluff. And all of a sudden that differentiates you and how you deal with your clients. And then it's also lighting you up because it's like, well, great. I got rid of all the fluff that I didn't enjoy doing before. Yeah. I love that so much. So Obviously, we took that little journey back in time where you went from business owner to solopreneur to working in agencies to studying. What was it like for you going from employee to business owner? I was a little bit, I think, um, obnoxious <laughs> and thought I could do it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe a little I think bit. You like, have to be. <laughs> yeah. Like probably blunt, just a bit. Uh, I no didn't have any idea. I had no yeah. idea. And like designs yeah. this thing you can freelance really easily and you can subcontract mm. and it gets you feeling like, oh, I've got this like um yeah. kind of got this momentum. It's like it's all good. I can do this. And you kind of go through this growth and then you like hit it down and all that sort of stuff. But Instagram made life easy back in the day as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and it's sort of so it's like kind of like the first few years I did find just everything sort of fell into place. That was great, but I just wasn't loving working by myself. Um, because when I did, you know, my initial starting out was really working for myself. It's like, I want a team around me. And that's when mm-hmm. it got quite challenging. It's like, well, how do you budget for that? And we're still yeah. working out business finances now. Like I learn something every day about finances. Oh my like, gosh. Tell me oh, about it. Yeah. <laughs> why didn't I know this? <laughs> yeah. Where was that in business school? <laughs> yeah, like tax? How does that work? How does yeah. super pays you go? Like what is all this stuff? Yeah, 100%. So how did you go? Um, I mean, obviously, that's such a journey. How did you find out those things? Like, were you just kind of a take it as it comes? Did you go through courses? Like, how did you, I guess, you know, level up to that kind of more CEO business owner mindset? Still feel like I'm on that's work in progress. Yeah, (laughs) always. Yes. (laughs) There was a couple of there was one course or community mentoring group that I did join early on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll totally, hopefully this is okay. And your show edited out. Oh yeah, totally. Um, owners collective crew Chapman. Um, I joined oh, her. Oh, I know her. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, she's amazing. And so I did that early on and just that network and the couple of courses that I did with Prue, just, I think so much was covered from the practicality to the mindset. Yeah. Um, and that it's really cool. That network is still connected to me in the business these days as well. That's cool. Which was really helpful. Um, and a lot of the stuff was just trial and error. (laughs) Yeah. um, No, I I do love that you mentioned that like seeking a community um, because I think that there's, you know, a tendency for business owners to kind of feel a bit lonely and like they've got to figure everything out themselves. And I mean, yes, absolutely sparks and community, but I'm like, 
you, you know, there's whatever problem you have, I think there's a solution for now, like whether it's marketing, whether it's finance, whether it's just, I want, you know, to be in um, a community of female business owners, like whatever the problem is, I kind of feel like there's some amazing people that have grown courses, programs, communities, like you don't have to do it alone anymore. So true. And even like just troubleshooting all that morale, like I think the really cool yeah. thing about being a female business owner, I notice the difference between a male business owner and a female business owner is we have this like cheer squad behind us, like all these little yeah. communities. And I don't know if um, it's harder for men to connect into them or it's just a different culture, but mm. I, I don't see it as much in my business partners' relationships and networks. Yeah. I mean, so on that topic, what's it like having a business partner? Oh, I've, so I've had two. So the first... Mm-hmm. Um, in three years ago, so when I had my first kid, so also context, I'm about to have a second child. <laughs> That's why we're drinking water today. Exactly. Yeah, love it, love in it. In a couple of weeks, it's always, again, funny things happen, children and business at the mm-hmm. same time. We've got a three-year-old. And um, another iteration, because I had this thing where I wanted to really work with somebody, um, was a digital agency. And we were doing, my friend, another friend of mine was a developer, was doing design. We teamed up. Then I found out I was pregnant and I was like, wait a minute, this is not going to mm. potentially work. But um, James was actually like, no, it's probably fine because I think I want to move overseas to Berlin anyway and cool. we can just do this remote. So this was pre-COVID, obviously, mm. where it was like that was pretty, that was a bit that was revolutionary. <laughs> yes. Revolutionary, oh, my God. <laughs> um, but the practicalities of that, like Berlin's time zone is literally opposite to ours oh, and right. it was just not like it was not like it was great, but it was just not possible to keep mm. that up in a sustainable way uh I loved that experience though of having somebody else who could who cared about your business as much as you do and you can brainstorm yeah. off each other completely different skill sets developer versus um you know creative mm. um, was amazing and then yeah so I kind of went into this new business partnership with Joel knowing you know like hey I can do this I see all the pros and cons um yeah like it, it's I personally love having that someone standing shoulder by shoulder with you. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, I've, I've certainly experienced, you know, negative situations with co-founders, but I, what the thing I love about co-founders is, is exactly what you said. You know, there's somebody who actually cares about your business as much as you do. It's funny, like I talk to founders and they're like, you know, my employees kind of just don't put in as much as I do. And I'm like, well, they won't. It's not, <laughs> your, it's not their business. <laughs> yeah. It's not what they're getting paid to do. Um, but a co-founder will. Like a co-founder will be that person that you like get excited on a Sunday afternoon and you can call them and they're like so happy to be on the phone, you know, sharing in some kind of new strategy, excitement, whatever, versus, you know, an employee who's kind of that, uh, I'm Monday, Friday, nine to five thing. Thank you. Yeah, I've got to go. This is a great conversation, but I have to go. Yeah, like, I have to know, go. I've got yeah. things to do. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I, that is, it's so special. And I'm like, I mm. probably take it for granted now, but yeah, that when you sit down and you're like bouncing off each other, trying to, you know, solve a problem, I find like that creativity that comes off that relationship is mm. yes, something that I w- you can't expect an employee to bring. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, So what about challenges? So obviously, you know, um, you've been through different iterations of what your business looks like, had a couple of different co-founders. What kind of challenges really surprised you in the world of business? 
I think the biggest one that comes to mind was we faced, we went through it probably about 12 months ago it started. So this time last year, really busy. And it was like amazing. We're like, this is all great. We took our foot off the marketing kind of pedal a little bit. Mm. Like, yep, cool. Doesn't matter. We'll sort it out in, you know, when we get back after the Christmas break. We sort of were slow to do that. And then we started to learn as well. Like we we're getting a lot of referral-based work, which was great. Yeah. That kind of dried out. Us did the inbound leads. They sort of dried up. And then it was like January, 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 February, March were really, really quiet. Mm. Um, I heard, I've heard that, you know, other business owners experienced that too. We found our lead time was huge. So we started stepping up the marketing early in the year. And it was like, but actually that's going to take three to six months for actually for it to pay off. Mm. Um, so that was hard because it's like, you know, looking at cash flow and going, oh God, can we pay ourselves? Like, yeah, and we know that the lead time to fix this problem, you've got to kind of like dig deep and have this faith that if we put in the hard work today yeah. and not yeah. let our attitudes or mindset kind of waver too much, that it will pay off, but it's a scary, scary time. So now we're like, no, keep the foot on marketing <laughs> all year round. Oh, totally. It's, um, I know I'm kind of, so I'm a salesperson by trade. So I am that one of those annoying people that I'm like, you need to dedicate time to sales every day. But the reason is exactly that, right? Like when you're kind of going, oh my God, I'm coasting, everything's good. Like we have so much work on, we actually can't take on more work. And then you do stop that kind of business development or marketing activities. Um, and you get to the end of the month and you're like, oh my God, I didn't hit my target. And like, yeah, it isn't yeah. one of those things where you can just send an email and, you know, especially if you have longer lead times, you can't just send an email and, oh, it's cool. All of the sales numbers are fixed. It is a, is that time and, and relationship building um, that you need to do. So making sure that you do it all the time is very, very important. And it's super hard to balance with the doing of the work. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, so I have the reverse problem because I love sales. I hate delivery. So <laughs> I always weight it towards like, what's the, what's the fun, shiny stuff that I can do? How can I be talking and, you know, spruiking what we do and then, you know, not spending enough time actually focusing in on making sure that everything's coming over here. So yeah, I have to kind of dedicate time in my calendar to both so that I keep myself in check a little bit. Yeah, we gravitate towards certain things that we enjoy, right? And then it's easy yeah. to be like, I just put that one to the side. Totally. I'm like, can I outsource this yet? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Who else when? can do this job? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly right. Um, and do you guys have, is it just you two or you have a team or? It's just us in here full time. Um, nice. or like I'm sort of part time at, at, you know, at the moment, some, somewhat as a business owner. And then we have a pretty like, broad range of freelancers that we pull in for projects oh, cool. yeah we really like to work with people who are we don't sort of we haven't bitten the bullet just yet and got like a full-time creative because we're like somebody you know is really great at web design some people are great at mm. copy some people are great at development or you know or brand so we use a bit of a mix of people on a project basis nice and how do you find managing freelancers in the business Oh, that's that's okay to me and it baffles Joel sometimes I think but I, I for me I don't know it's just one of those things that I like doing I did it a lot when I was in agency roles mm, um, yeah. just must be luckily one of those things that's in my wheelhouse to get to it doesn't stress me out 
Nice. Do you have any tips? Like if you're, you know, a business owner who's gone down the freelancer route, cause I'm a big, I'm a big supporter of freelancers over full-time at the moment, or, you know, finding specialists at what they do yes. rather than kind of diving into having all these full-time staff that you might not quite be able to support just yet. And they, the tasks may not be there for them just yet. I think freelancers is such a good solution, especially like now in this kind of remote economy that we're living in. Um, any tips if you're managing a bunch of freelancers on different projects? Yeah, definitely. I think the first thing that I like to do is if you've got people who come vetted or recommended, start there. And I'll talk a little bit mm. create like to creative businesses first. If you're looking to outsource, say design, even writing, go and check, like say you've got a referral, that's great. Go and check their work. Because creative, like what is this is this assumption that like if you're a designer, you can do everything, but mm. more to what you're saying, people have skills and specialties and there is a difference and be really clear in your mind, okay, well, what type of creative am I looking for? Or what type of even like um, virtual assistant or like what, what do they actually need to be really good at? And then go and look at their work testimonials and just be like, honestly, are they actually the right person for the job? Because that's the start of all, you know, that's going to be where you get your most bang for buck, the value, and you're probably happy to pay a little bit more than your budget because the job will be done faster. Uh, so start there, be quite critical and find the right person. And then I think I like to always get on a call. So if you can meet face-to-face, -face, amazing, but, you know, with Zoom and that sort of thing, you can probably do a call. And I like to give background to the jobs that we do rather than a list of things that we require. Like this is the why mm. of what we're trying to achieve. Yeah, I love that. And here's some of the things of like, you know, what I'm suggesting are the deliverables and what, but you know, you're obviously the expert in your area. So tell me what you think about that and be a bit collaborative. Mm. Um, and then once that initial calls there, like give them a chance to come back and process that and ask any questions. And then I set out a timeline and be like, okay, great. And I always add in a couple, like we've got two or three weeks of the client um, to deliver a milestone. I'll try and meet the freelancer who's working on the subcontractor in like the first week so that there's time if we didn't crack it together, because there's obviously mm. communication, we're not down to the wire and I'm not sending it to the client the next day. It's like, actually, we just need to kind of bounce back and forth on this a little bit longer. Yeah. No, I love that. And, you know, you're so right. Communication is everything. Uh, expectation setting is everything and giving yourself enough time to make sure yes. all of those are in order is so important. You always need more time than you think. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> And not even just in managing myself. freelancers, like in yep. everything you do, like whether it's development, whether it's, you know, whatever, like you always overestimate what you can accomplish in a time period. It's ridiculous. It's I think as true for business. Yeah. Like, oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think as like business owners, we're like overly optimistic people. Mm -hmm. So, oh yeah, absolutely. I can build the empire like this yeah. year. <laughs> like I should, I will be. And then when you don't, you're like, well, really hard on myself. Like, why didn't totally. I do that? You're like <laughs> devastated. Yeah. Like, where did I go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> no way. Just what you have to do. Oh my God. It's so true. Um, and how have you navigated? So you mentioned um, with the first co-founder, you found out you were pregnant. So obviously mom. So you said your little one's three. So how have you found navigating being a mom and business? Because business is hard enough <laughs> adding motherhood in on top. I don't know. I think I must be a bit of a fly by the seat of my pants person. <laughs> I think so, that sounds like every good business owner yeah. everywhere. Yes. <laughs> it just happened. The baby was not planned as like the business was a little bit more planned. And it was like, okay, we're here now. Cool. I was, I've always been really sure that I did want to work for myself and yeah. coming from Brisbane to the Sunshine Coast, 
it was just at the stage when I moved back, I was like, there's nowhere that I do really feel like fits for what, you know, what I want to be doing. Um, so it was very clear I'm going to work for myself. And I was just like, I'm just going to have to suck it and see. Yeah. Uh, it was really hard that first, especially because it was like, oh, I don't, you know, this partnership's not going to work on the time zone, the transition and the transformation becoming a mum versus mm. being a business owner was like really hard for me. Mm. Um, but I just kind of took it at a pace that was sustainable. And I, the community around me at this time, I was quite involved in um, that the course and the mentoring program with Prue, um, that really helped. And then this time around, it's completely different. It's mm. like, I just feel like I'm like, great. Both were planned. Yes. <laughs> excellent. <laughs> excellent. The baby was planned and mm-hmm. I've been through it before. And I just kind of feel like I can put up good boundaries for like when I need to be mom and family versus when mm. I need to be on for work. And I think it's all about letting go a bit of a bit of the guilt around those things as well. Oh, absolutely. I love that. Like letting go of the guilt, um, far out. Like, I think that's such a good lesson just for every day as a business owner. There's always something that you are feeling guilty about not doing exactly why I was recording bloody reels a second ago. Cause I was like, (laughs) Oh my God, I haven't done that yet. (laughs) You know, there's always something that you, um, you know, feel like you're not doing enough of. So being able to let that go and just, you know, think a little bit bigger and think of the strategic approach you're taking to your business, you know, and kind of giving yourself a bit less of a hard time never goes astray. Like if you're not going to do something, if you go, it's not practical, I can't, don't have the time or the money to do it right Mm. now just accept that decision and be like, this is what I am going to do instead of sort of tormenting yourself over yeah. that decision. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's so true. Like, because I find when you are tormenting yourself over that decision, you're actually not doing anything else. Like you get right. so stuck and blocked and overwhelmed. And it's like, um, I'm, <laughs> you know, you kind of go, if you don't let it go, you actually may as well have done it because you're just spending all the time thinking about the fact that you're not doing it rather than just moving on to the task that you should be doing. Yep. It's a mental game. It, yeah. <sighs> Totally. Such a mental game. And sometimes I think having a co-founder that is good, it can pull you out of that because yeah. sitting beside someone and they're like, what are you doing? Like, Yeah. yeah you are just staring at your laptop right like, now. What's going on? Take a minute. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So true. I love it. Okay. So let me wrap up with one last question for you. Um, so anyone who's listening in who might be wanting to take the leap into business, is there any advice you might give someone who hasn't quite got there yet but is loving the idea of jumping in and starting their own business any tip or anything you wish you knew when you got started yeah it's a really boring one but my first (laughs) one is it's about money (laughs) and work out what you want to be paid but know that when on your business you have to and I've heard this ratio and it's it's probably not as bad like this is being really really conservative but Mm, mm. 30 percent of what you're billing out is, you know, expenses, that's your salary. 30% goes to tax and 30% put to profit and the rest 10% GST. Yeah. So when you look at a project fee that you're charging, if that's or whatever you're, if you're selling a product, just remember that only 30% of that is going to go in your pocket. And that really, I think, sets the scene for how much you should charge, how much you're worth, how much you can earn, targets, et cetera. 
I love that so much. I um I was having a chat to someone the other day about revenue versus profit um, and just how so many people think about that top line sales number. So they go, okay, if I could just sell $100,000 a year worth of stuff, things would be so amazing. I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, no. Do you know what's like, yeah, taxed, like expenses, oh. all of those things, like what is left? Yeah. And like, that's, yeah, that's, you're not getting a hundred grand salary when you make a hundred dollars in revenue. So I love that idea of breaking it down and thinking about what you want to earn and what you're actually going to have to do to achieve that. And then talk to your accountant about those numbers because it's also really different for industries, et cetera, but they're like ballpark figures that, yeah, you can work off. That's so good. I love it so much. You are absolutely incredible, Suji. Thank you so much for being here on Spark TV and sharing your wisdom and insights. You are absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you so much. It's been really great to have a chat. That wraps this episode of Spark TV. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. That helps other amazing female founders like you find us and grow too. You can also follow along on Instagram at Spark Founders Program for daily business inspiration and DM us with a guest you'd like to hear from next. Or even join our community at sparkfoundersprogram.com. Thank you for being here. And if no one tells you today, you got this.